Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you in part by Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply. Supplying everyone from roofing contractors to home builders and everything in between. And GAF, Roofing Shingles and Materials. We protect what matters most. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith. Across from me, General Contractor Donnie Blanchard. He's the brains on the beauty of the Carolina Contractor Show. What is the Carolina Contractor Show about? It's about your house, the inside and the outside. And we like to talk about roofs. And Donnie, for example, owns Suretop Roofing. And they have free estimates if you have a question about your house. We've had storms roll through. And every time a storm rolls through, especially if it's hail, you can get damage to your roof. Don't mess around with that. Let people who know what they're doing look at your house and check out your roof. And if you do have a question about yours, you can reach Donnie's company at SureTopRoofing.com. We also talk about things that aren't related to your roof, like basements and crawl spaces and HVAC systems. And if you're a DIY guy or DIY gal, we do a lot of stuff that you can kind of figure out yourself if you want to improve your house or fix something. Go to the website again, thecarolinacontractor.com. If you have a question you can figure out, ask Donnie. It's a little button called Ask the Contractor. You click on that, fill out your information, and send it to Donnie. And he's going to look at those questions. And we did a show a couple weeks ago of nothing but questions. Now, last week's show, Donnie came up with this great subject about the all-electric house, Mm -hmm. which made it sound like it was brand new. Right, no. But it just means a house that's only running on electricity as its power source which has been around for decades, but there are more efficient ways to make an electric house. So if you want to go listen to that show, go to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. You can download the podcast of it and and understand what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to kind of walk through the front door and look at some other things that will affect your house if you decide to go electric. Now, one reason we're going electric is for the environment and climate change and all that. I don't know if you caught, but a, a week or so ago, Donnie, was the big Davos meeting. And do mm-hmm. you, you know what that is? Uh, not really, but I okay. know the name. You see that D-A-V-O-S and, and what it is, it's in Switzerland. And it's when politicians and, and people in the know and with connections go to a ritzy town and they eat expensive food and then they preach at you and, and convict you of climate change is this and, and we need to have monetary equality through the world and all those things. The one that gets me is they always talk about climate change, but they fly into this meeting on private jets, which emit a lot of carbon. So someone counted up the flights. The average number of landings and departures for one Davos meeting is 1,500 individual private jet flights. That was for just wow. this year. So they fly around in private jets and they land in a ritzy town and then tell you you're hurting the environment. (laughs) Now, Donnie said there's a pretty easy way they could offset all of this. How is that? Why don't you just Zoom each other? Zoom the meeting. We did it during COVID, but now that they can get out, they're going to hop on their jets and fly around and tell everybody how bad they are. There's a former president that bought a house in Martha's Vineyard, 300 feet from the ocean or from the water. Hmm. His house is three feet higher than ocean level. Mm -hmm. They say that land will be gone in less than 50 years. Wouldn't you think if that was true and they really believed it, they wouldn't have spent over $10 million on a piece of property that will be gone? And who? what bank would finance it? Well, maybe he's got a good insurance policy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he does. All right. We're, uh, we're not getting political. It's just stating some of the obvious. But we want to jump into today's show. Again, last week on The Carolina Contractor, we talked about the all-electric house. It's going to be easier for you to go back into the time machine, into the Wayback Machine, and listen to it on the podcast. But you kind of building a house for all electric, there's a lot of things you can do in advance. Donnie, you mentioned 
You can have it all pre-wired. So mm-hmm. as technology changes, it's almost a plug and play, yeah, maybe. For sure. Well, let's now move to the inside of the house. We walk through the front door or maybe to the outside in the back usually or the side. Uh, what are the items we need to think about right. when it comes to an all-electric house? Yeah, last week we covered more, I would say, pros, not really too many cons, but we covered the pros of having an all-electric house and um, basically just why people are shifting that in that direction and, and why we jumped on board and we like it as the best alternative for mm-hmm. building in 2022. But um, obviously, there are parts of the house, components, appliances that have to be electric versus the alternative fuel source of, of usually uh, natural gas. But in the country areas, of course, they have propane, which is a little more expensive. And I guess I'll just kind of dive into this with a pro and con for each one. And I, the most important or the biggest decision you have to make is on your HVAC system, whether mm-hmm. you want to go gas or electric. And I ended last week's show by saying it's important to know, a lot of people don't know this, that Gas only powers the heat. So when you have a gas furnace or a gas pack is a slang word for that, then and basically the gas is only responsible for your heating in the winter. So, uh, you know, six months out of the year, you may use gas and really intense in December, January, February. But um, and gas packs are not a bad thing uh, in some areas. And what people call uh, the electric heating and cooling source is called a heat pump. And basically it, you know, pulls heat out of your house in the summer and it uh, brings heat into your house in yep. the winter. And that the that is the alternative to the gas pack. And the way the heat pumps are so effective these days is because insulation codes are so stringent that houses are literally insulated 10 times better than they were 30 or 40 years ago. Right. And, you know, if basically you, there's no need for a gas power punch is the way that I worded this is, you know, gas is stronger. It, it heats everything up faster. So if you're a give me that right now kind of thing, then 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 gas may be. If you're your impatient. Prefer- yeah, exactly. Uh, and I always give the example of in a church, for instance. So say you come in in the wintertime at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning and you've got to get that massive sanctuary with tall ceilings warmed up before everybody gets there at say 1030, 1045, then you know, uh, a gas is a good alternative for that because you're only going to be heating and cooling that sanctuary maybe two days a week. And, you know, in terms of efficiency, you're not going to really lose money going that route, but they need quick heat now. And so that is an option. I do a side note on that. If you're going to go that route, I'd recommend dual fuel. So it basically uses a gas to warm it up and then it switches to electric to maintain. So dual fuel are really popular. And I would say that nobody just goes straight gas heat in the winter anymore. If they're putting in a new system or changing out their old system, dual fuel is usually the route that they go. Sounds like an energy drink. Yeah, It does. Basically the, the big difference in the uh, heat pump and the gas furnace is that the a heat pump can only discharge 95 degree air at a maximum. So when it's blowing air out of your vents, it's usually you put the little um, thermometer gun like they pointed at your forehead mm-hmm. on your registers. You know, it would be putting out somewhere around that 95 degree uh, heat and a gas puts out 120 degree heat. That's how it achieves heating up a space faster than the electric alternative. But like I said, the insulation is so much better that there's no need for that quick punch anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, another side note on that is that uh, a heat pump can only change the temperature of the air by 20 degrees. So if you let a how you just turn your system off when you go on vacation and you come back in your house is sweltering hot, you know, over 90 degrees and you wanted to get back down to 70, that's just not going to happen until the ambient temperature drops. Because like I said, the capability is that it can only change it 20 degrees. So I always recommend don't let it get too hot. I set right. my thermostat on 78 or 80 and you know, I, uh, of course I control it with my phone now. So when I get on the road, I, I go ahead and drop that baby and it's usually comfortable by the time I get there. And then your system doesn't have to work so hard to cool off your house if you left it for a week. Yep. Because you want, oh, I'll turn off the, the AC and it won't run at all for the week we're on vacation. That's it. And then you come home and turn it on. Your system's like struggling. Yeah, that's a great point. 
So a heat pump does have a method to heat up a little faster, and if it's not um, if it's not meeting the called for temperature on the thermostat, there are things called heat strips that'll come on, and that's usually when you get a burning smell in your system. So if the heat strips kick on, don't freak out because it's something that's just trying to give an extra boost to the uh, electric heat source. And like I mentioned earlier, for air conditioning, it's all the same. There's really not many options there. Um, and I'll say another thing that I don't like about a gas pack is that it has more working parts. So Basically, once it gets inside the house, it's the same for both. But outside the house, there are more working parts to install, more gas line connections. And um, overall, it's just more expensive to install. Mm. Uh, there's, a, there's a service fee with a gas company. There are several things to take into account. But if electric works and you're building a brand new house, I, it's no question I would go with a heat pump. The only case where I can say dual fuel for a residential unit might make sense is that if you live in an area that's really prone to power outages like high on a hill. I'm at the highest elevation in my county, so we get some terrible winds there. But mm. fortunately, over the last 10 years, we've had so many power outages that all of our lines are new. So now when an ice storm, windstorm comes through, we're sitting pretty. Nice. And, but the uh, my neighbor, for instance, he has a dual fuel unit. And uh, basically, when we lost power, he would just plug up a small portable generator for his lights and so forth. But his water and his uh, his heat source were both gas. So it takes a much smaller generator uh, in other words, if you do dual fuel and go that route, you don't need a big standalone generator in your yard and a big tank of gas to support that. Or you could just back your Ford Lightning truck up to your house and Ooh. you're off to the races. Good call. But what, what about when the battery dies on that thing like we Let's said last not, week? Look, you ask too many questions. You just move <laughs> along, mister. Yeah. Uh, the only other option for a heat pump is geothermal. And geothermals were – I put several in about 10 years ago because the tax credit was just out of this world. And basically what a – geothermal heat pump is is they dig up your whole backyard in a series of trenches six foot deep and they take advantage of the consistency of the temperature underground which is you know averages it's from 45 degrees to 70 degrees but usually falls around that 60 degree mark so basically they take these uh, hundreds of feet of line and bury those six feet down and it circulates this antifreeze solution through a closed loop system and of course they either take heat from the ground they need it or they release heat back into the ground in the summer for instance and uh, geothermal is still a really neat option i think the payback period is five or six years on that and they're expensive 30 you know 30 grand were a traditional system maybe 15 and uh back when the government tax incentives were in place you know you could get about half of that back so it made sense to do geothermal if you in fact had uh the acreage to do something like that but i still like it and there also is a neat option uh to heat your water that way as well and dogs knew about this for centuries because i had an old golden retriever in the yeah. summer when it would get really hot, yep. she would go out in the backyard and she would dig down in and didn't think much about a dog digging, but then she'd right. lay in the hole. And yep. It was because she knew even a couple inches down was much cooler and she just lay in her little pit that she made. So dogs, again, they were on the cutting <laughs> edge of geothermal ideas long before we were. Now, let's move a little bit directly into the house. We understand how the HVAC systems work and things like that. Most people probably have electric appliances. Yeah, most people do. Yeah. In, in terms of availability now, when you go to the uh, big box stores or even specific appliance stores, um, they have a gas appliance here and there. But uh, I think overall, you know, people are just from good sense, common sense, they're moving away from the gas stuff. And so what, why would they do that when it comes down to gas versus electric with appliances? Yeah, well, I touched on this last week, and uh, most opinions are based on outdated technology is a fair way to say that. So, mm -hmm. you know, somebody's dad said you always got to, or somebody's mom said you always got to cook with gas, and, and so they've got gas stoves and things like that. But uh, 
you know, the elect- electric appliances have come so far in such a short amount of time that they've really made up for that that gap there. And and like I mentioned earlier, the big thing with gas is it heats everything up faster. So mm-hmm. uh, with electric, I mean, if you preheat your oven uh, a little sooner, then you know that's just better planning. It's not that it's an inferior appliance, but um, the one thing I'll say is induction cooktops uh, kind of change the game for the kitchen. So indu- what induction is is basically um. It's magnetic heat transfer, so it won't burn you. You can pick the pot right up off of the uh, stove and touch it, and it'll be cool to the touch, but uh, the pot will be hot, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, it has to be in contact to actually transfer the heat. So uh, side note there is you always have to make sure that your pots and pans will actually work on induction. So if you have an induction cooktop or you plan on getting an induction cooktop, you may have to get all new pots and pans, and you test those with a magnet. Pretty simple. But uh, as long as the magnet makes a connection, then that means it'll make a connection to the induction. But uh, uh, I've heard people word it this way is induction cooktops are the Tesla of the kitchen. It's <laughs> a great example or a comparison. So are gas appliances something that is uh, uh, to be able to tell your friends, <laughs> well, I cook and dry with gas yeah. or is it just not practical anymore yeah. compared to the efficiency of electric? Because I know nobody yeah. personally has a gas dryer. Right. No, I mean, I've known a few people to have gas dryers and basically the the catch there or not the catch, but the motivation for having a gas dryer is that uh, it dries the clothes so much faster. And so uh, also they're more expensive. That kind of cancels that out. And uh, the thing that I don't like about them is that they require a vent. So they've got a standard yeah, oh, 110 duh. outlet, but yeah, you've got to vent those things out and, uh, and you have to vent out an electric, but not the same. It actually has to have a vent for the gas um, emissions. So, so you'd um, have to have a vent for the gas and one for the, just the general heat exactly. and, and okay. Exactly. And strangely enough, because it dries your clothes so much faster, they actually say that they're more efficient, which I guess they are because it takes less time to dry the clothes and less fuel uh, compared to the amount of, of electricity. Okay. But, you know, uh, what you mentioned is a pro for an electric dryer is that there's so many more choices. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you can get an electric dryer cheaper, uh, even though you have to you know have a bigger outlet. Uh, it's a less expensive appliance. And even though it's less efficient, I just still feel better about not having to vent out uh, any kind of emissions. Yeah, and I guess they'll be lighter maybe too. Yeah, they are lighter. Do uh, gas, do you know, do gas dryers have more parts to them? Uh, I'm not sure on that. We can check with our appliance guy that did the show mm-hmm. with us. But, um, he, you know, I, it, it sounds like they would need more working parts because kind of like the heating and air system, everything works the same with a dryer except for the way that the fuel source is inputted into there. So, I mean, there's bound to be several more connections, gas lines, and things to weigh it down and, and make it a little more a little harder to work on. Right. Now, I don't want, not that we're going backwards here, but we were talking just a second ago about cooking in gas versus electric, but mm-hmm. there's a little bit more to it. You said it generates moist heat. Yeah. Please um, explain that. So a gas oven, the heat is quick and intense is the way that they word it. And uh, the heat generated uh, actually has a higher moisture content than that of a dryer electric heat. And uh, they say that if it doesn't have a fan, uh, so some Gas ovens come without a fan, and it generates hot spots. So oh, yeah. you put a casserole it's not in circulating the oven. it exactly, and uh, you know you ha- may have to rotate that casserole every ten fifteen minutes, which kind of negates the uh, fact that it heated up quicker because you're losing the heat when you open the door to every rotate time, it. Yep. So uh, the electric, though, it, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it takes longer to preheat, and it's a drier heat. Uh, and some dishes actually cook better with a drier heat, but um, I, you know, I can't really tell a big difference there, and. Uh, if you know how to use the bake and the broil function, so of course, bake heats from the bottom, broil heats from the top, mm-hmm. and the broil is how you basically crust something up or put a burn top on it pretty quick if you want. And uh, I think one of the big pros that I like about an electric oven is that it's consistent 
temperature and there's no hot spot. So you don't have to fool with opening it up through the cooking process. Let's go over the gas versus electric water heaters. Yeah, I would say that in terms of a gas water heater, I, I don't see many of those anymore. When people are changing their water heaters out, normally they go with either a electric or a tankless gas water heater. And I wish I could explain this as good as my plumber and electrician, but everybody seems to shy away from the electric version of the tankless water heater. This is the only thing in your house where there may be a trade-off where gas is worth having. And I'm, I'm actually at the point, mm. I have an 80-gallon electric water heater, and it's not working like it used to. So I keep having to turn the, the temperature up and up, and mm. uh, still not satisfied with that. So I'm going to make the jump sometime soon, and I'm, we'll, we'll talk about this in a future show. But I'm really wanting something to convince me for, to, to use an electric tankless water heater. But uh, the tankless water heaters are the Renais or the hot water on demand is a popular way to say that. Not to be confused with on demand, meaning like water right now. People turn the, the faucet on and they expect it to be hot water right then. It mm-hmm. just means when you call for that hot water, it heats it up as you need it. It'll give you as much as you want, but there's still that cold water sandwich in the plumbing lines right. between the water heater under or outside the house and the fixture itself. So one of the drawbacks that I think uh, with the electric Renai is that doesn't draw enough current from the panel to heat the water fast enough where gas basically gives it that extra power to really have uh, you know the water as hot as you can stand it and so uh, basically the, the newer versions of the electric say that they do work better than, than the old and of course that makes sense because everything evolves to be better as it stands right now my plumber my electrician they all still recommend the gas version of this and uh, even if you do have LP liquid propane in the country they say that it takes less than 100 gallons a year to run all your hot water so you know, that's not terrible. And if you were going to have anything gas, maybe gas logs like I have for an emergency situation and one other gas appliance, that's not terrible. You know, I don't know exactly what the lifespan is on these, but maybe if you got a gas tankless water heater for just this cycle until it wore out and then maybe go by, by the next, what, eight, 10 years, they're mm-hmm. going to have the electric thing figured out. And now, Donnie, a friend of mine got that. He said it's the equivalent of um, blow torching your pipe. It is. And it's as fast as that water can pass through those pipes. Uh, it's heating that water to the called for temperature. And amazing. Um, it, it really is an amazing technology. And, and I understand completely why electrical does not have that same capability. And um, if there were a drawback on the gas, it's that most of them have to be mounted outside because they have you know minimum clearances from other combustible materials and so forth. So you really have to have a taller crawl space to be able to mount it under the house. And uh, heaven forbid, you know, the power goes out in the winter and you have to go out and, and drain that outdoor uh, tankless water heater unit or it will freeze and burst the internal pipes. So another drawback, and this applies to electrical and gas, is that mm-hmm. any kind of sediment from your well will just ruin it. Uh, if it if it's clogs up the filter and you don't give that uh, attention or maintain it the proper way, uh, sediment is, is definitely something. Uh, the, it's the kryptonite for a tankless water heater. What about wood stoves? Could you use one? Uh, you could, yeah, but people say wood heat, you know, unless it's done the right way. Uh, in Inside wood stove is a major, I mean, people did it for hundreds of years, yeah. but uh, they say that it's the equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes and, yeah. you know, it's just not good for uh, your respiratory system. But they do have the outdoor wood stoves that have the water heating capability. And of course, they pipe that in and the actual water provides the adequate moisture content. So it's not the dry heat like you would think would come from a wood stove and uh, I am a fan of that. If if that's if you live in the country and have the space to do that, and you feel like feeding that wood heater, which I do not, but yeah. some people are into that, you know, and and I think that that's a good cheap alternative. Preppers, fireplaces is an, another thing. Um, electric, I kind of thought was more of just a decorative design, right. but you, what well, was a couple weeks ago, we were talking about mm-hmm. these. 
they can actually heat rooms now yeah. pretty efficiently. Yeah. So let's talk about fireplaces, gas. Gas is great because you got the real flame. Yeah. You can't beat that. It visually looks great. Mm-hmm. But practicality is the other thing. Right. Yeah. If if folks don't want to deal with a mess or deal with having a gas tank, you know, I think I get maybe a hundred gallons every two years to run my uh gas logs because we just don't use them that much. But you know, at the flip of a switch, you can have a, a nice uh, flame, or I think that they actually make crackling noises, and they've kind of it's just <laughs> the most generic fireplace you can get. But if you don't care about that sort of thing, it's certainly a, a fairly cheap alternative. It's it's uh, in terms of upfront cost, it's not much cheaper than a firebox, but in terms of operating cost, it's certainly a lot less. And I think we mentioned two weeks ago that you know it has the cap an average size one has the capability to heat a 500 square foot room so that's a 20 by 25 family room and yeah uh, like i said in my circumstance particularly we don't use a fireplace enough to really care about uh, whether it's gas or electric or whatever i just want heat when i need it and you know if the power goes out i've got a way that i can still stay at home this is the carolina contractor show we talked last week about all electric houses and we've been going through your house now of things that would be running on electric and the advantages of gas versus electric. What do you need to do during the build of a house to prepare for all electric? Now, you right. build right. houses, so you would definitely know this. What are some of the things people need to consider if they're building a house and want to go all electric? Yeah, um, if I had to say a few things that I would do um, and maybe do differently at my house is uh, and they have these smart home energy monitors that go directly on your panel. So it monitors your energy usage per appliance and whatever's using uh, the most electricity and it'll tell you, it'll give you basically monthly results right there on your smartphone. But well, I think that's a cool way to communicate that is very with your cool. house. Yeah. We, we touched on that when we did the smart home show episode, we didn't go in depth, but we could probably do a whole show on these and they seem to get cheaper by the year. They used to be around 1200 bucks. And I think I saw a unit for about 600 online. And, um, but I think that's a really cool way to, to be able to talk to your house or your house yeah. talk to you rather. Another thing that, and I've, I pre always preach this and it, with every house, I, even if it, I didn't draw the plans or it's just a, a generic plan from online, I always try to find an area from the, from the attic all the way to the crawl space or the basement for a chase. And we like to, to have an area where, you know, basically you f- future proof your house because we don't know what it's going to be like in 20 years. And right. if the technology changes and you need to get some sort of uh, wire or something that doesn't exist now. Uh, from the crawl space up to the attic uh, to support both floors, mm-hmm. then you know I just think having a chase, maybe even on both sides of your house, one will do. But if you can find an area to go from top to bottom, uh, just to be able to access attic to crawl space, I think that's just wise and keep and, someone from cutting a hole in your floor. That's it, and mm-hmm. it's not expensive to do that. So uh, another thing is uh, generators, of course, are the the big time talk right now, yep. and and um, it's it's expensive to do a whole house generator. But whether you do whole house or just plug up a portable like I have. Uh, it's always wise to install a transfer switch on your panel. So basically that transfer switch allows you to seamlessly transition to uh, that generator power with a flip of a switch. And, um, and and it allows you to pull power in from an outside source versus push the power out from the electrical lines. And exactly. we, we made a comment on the generator show. The reason that transfer switch is important is that if, if you don't have something to disconnect uh, you from the electrical grid, the folks who are out there trying to fix rip, the lines, yeah, they're fixing lines for this power outage. And uh, you could literally electrocute the lineman if you don't have something to block uh, power out. So your generator would push power out to wherever they were working. Right. Um, on a generator, another thing to take into consideration if you're moving on, moving forward with the generator during the build is you know the square footage and the max load uh, that you're going for. So some people say you have two systems upstairs and downstairs, and um, you don't want to run the whole house necessarily because that requires a huge generator on an all electric house. Uh, so you just pick a system where the bedrooms are. So you, you know, your heat downstairs only, 
And, um, you know, with the heat rising, that's probably what I would do is choose just to run the downstairs heat. But you need to do a load calculation and get with the electrician on that because that will dictate what he has to install in the panel to accommodate such a large generator. Another thing that electricians talk about is load shed. So you can run larger equipment or larger appliances, but you may have to do that in increments. So when your heat turns off, it starts to heat your water after that. Yeah, so, you okay. Know, it'll transfer the load over to your water Makes heater. Sense. But they're so smart now that they, they, you know, you can design the system to work that way and it's pretty seamless for the homeowner. If you go the route of the electric tankless water heater, like we just mentioned, right. you'll have to ha- install a 90 amp circuit, which is big time just to service one appliance. But uh, there's still a big debate with those folks whether or not it's more expensive because it draws so much electricity, but it only draws it when you're using the water heater, if that makes sense. Yeah, that so makes sense. The, uh, your other, your existing water heater that you probably have now, you know, it heats your water all the time and it, it just never stops. It keeps it at a consistent temperature, but I don't think people give a lot of attention to this because it's still pretty darn cheap to heat your water with a water heater. I want to say, what is it? 200 bucks a year, 300 yeah, bucks a year. Yeah, they'll actually put the sticker on the yes. side of it and tell you about how much it is. And yeah, yeah that's about right. So anyway, uh, I think that... But just that and what we mentioned in the beginning of the show, or maybe it was last week when we said pre-wiring for solar connections to the battery for the solar panel and and the panels themselves, I think all that should go inside the walls and just future-proof your house as much as possible and ask all the right questions. Most electricians are pretty knowledgeable on this, and of course, we'll put some of this stuff up online if you want to read into it a little further. Yeah, this is the Carolina Contractor Show, and the website is thecarolinacontractor.com. And with the couple minutes we have left, Donnie, literally two minutes, mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about all the great things. There's got to be a couple cons of being all electric. Mm-hmm. I kind of touched on what I think would be a con, and um, I'd say uh, being dependent on a single source of power, it could burn you, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, sometimes there there's a need for gas, and I just think having the right ratio of electric to gas, like I said, I only have gas logs. and. I kind of like it when the power goes out because it forces my kids to rough it for a change. And no internet's not a bad thing, you know? Not at all. Um, The other drawback I would say is some appliances are cheaper to operate with gas and everything is slower when it's heating up with electric. And uh, if you're somebody on the go, you got a family of seven, eight kids, you know, maybe a gas dryer is for you. But, uh, you know, the things like the tankless water heaters still work way better with gas or they seem to at this point until the electric grid in the united states is upgraded a lot of this let's everybody go electric isn't going to happen because it's just not there the infrastructure's got to be improved and updated and that is a two trillion dollar investment and would take 25 to 30 years to get there but if you're building a house it is a great thing to look at have stuff in place so as the technology becomes easier to buy it makes your house almost plug and play yeah again we'll put that up on the website the carolina Con- contractor.com. And if you have a question for Donnie, hit the Ask the Contractor button. He's a general contractor. So if you've got a question about your house, send it to him. We like to do those shows once in a while. We did one a few weeks back where we did nothing but questions from listeners. So go ahead and submit those and you can connect with us through social media and through the Facebook page and all that stuff. And welcome to June. We're here. Get ready for summer. And we hope to see you next week on the Carolina Contractor Show. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, brought to you in part by Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply, supplying everyone from roofing contractors to home builders and everything in between. And GAF, roofing shingles and materials. We protect what matters most. Visit thecarolinacontractor.com.